and they're blocking Gray Elton into the Orange Accents. Now here's Gabe Antonaro! Less than 25 seconds into the game! And it just keeps getting worse for Barnes! Hello, everybody, and welcome to week 11 in the CPL Newsroom, brought to you by Volkswagen. Adam Jenkins with the words, it doesn't get any better than that as we end on a highlight from Ali Moosey. Might get better, just with a little jazz, little flute, little saxophone, little CPL action, all the great goals. What a week it's been, my word. A fantastic week. Uh, pleasure to join you. If you are joining us live, we're going to get to our usual recap very soon. Uh, for the next hour or so, we will recap week 11 in the Canadian Premier League. And we'll be later joined by uh, Cavalry FC head coach Tommy Olden Jr. live after a big weekend for him. Uh, let's take a look at the results. We did have three games in midweek. Vancouver Football Club beat Forge 2-0 back on Tuesday night in one of the big shocks of the CPL season so far. Pacific narrowly edged Valor. That was a really good game as well by one goal to nil in the doubleheader on Wednesday that caps off a fantastic midweek when we had a four-goal thriller in York as Martin Nash's side split the points with Halifax, Halifax Wanderers. Some great goals and some fantastic individual performances on that one that will be highlighted in the team of the week. This past weekend, Ali Moosey's late free kick secured Cavalry three points in a 2-1 win over York United. Diego Gutierrez continued his fantastic season when his penalty was enough for Valor to defeat Vancouver FC by one goal to nil in Winnipeg on Sunday. And an instant classic in Hamilton saw Forge beat Atletico Ottawa in a clash of champions versus champions in the end in front of close to 7,000 on Sunday evening by four goals to three. That's where we'll start the show. We'll bring on our very own Charlie O'Connor-Clark, who is with me in Hamilton. Charlie, great to see you. What a fantastic game of football uh, for us neutrals. I don't think the coaches um, <laughs> you know, necessarily enjoyed it as much as we did. We could write, you know, they're pulling their hair out, but we know with Bobby and, and Carlos, there's very little to pull. Yeah, uh, I did, but, and then yeah, remembered. Exactly. Um, I'm excited for this next question. Regular listeners will know. Uh, the first question I always ask my correspondents, um, you know, what's your overall rating in terms of the contest from its compelling fact and why? So, Charlie, I'm just going to tee you up here. One of the best games in CPL history. Lots of mistakes, drama. Overall, what number out of 10 would you give this contest in terms of compelling, compelling factor and why? What did you like? Yeah, 10, 11. This yes. game is is the reason that I keep my ratings measured and conservative. This was simultaneously the weirdest, most chaotic, most entertaining, most fun Canadian Premier League game I think I've ever been in attendance at. Probably the best that I've ever watched at all. Uh, this was an outstanding game. And I think 
every time I, I've looked at, I've watched the highlights maybe six or seven times this morning. And every time I remember something that happened in this game right. that like doesn't even make the top five craziest things that happened, but in a normal game might be the story of the match. It's just, it starts so weirdly. I think half the, half the, uh, half the very robust crowd at Tim Hortons field wasn't even in their seats yet by the time it's one all five minutes into the game. Uh, that's just the, the Gabriel Antonoro goal, we're still not 100% sure yet on if that's going to be a couple milliseconds after Francisco Acuna's in PEI. Uh, we we had, just after that, the the weird back pass from McDonald Neba, which goes into the net. I don't know if this is wind or, or whatever at Tim Hortons Field. And then, uh, again, a, a back pass from Tiso and it's 2-1 after 11 minutes for yeah. Forge after conceding 22 seconds in. I don't... I don't know what to say. There's just so much about this game that was really just will remember this one for a very long time. You're right. So many different individual moments you keep thinking about. I think we're conditioned as analysts or viewers of fans of the game that you watch a game really closely, certain individual moments stand out, and then it's basically a game that's remembered by one or two moments in the, in the game. This just happens to flood our minds of like seven, eight, nine. No, you've got to remember the 10th as well. It was just, it was yeah. that nuts. Um, our, our friend Arto wants us to, to, to come up with a nickname for this game. Uh, you know, he says uh, the four, three forge versus Ottawa game is truly one of the great games in CPL history. It's going to need its own name for early consideration. He nominates the Sunday night melee in the cafe. Okay. Well, we'll come up with some different ones as well, but this, I don't know. All I, all I know is that it was a pleasure to be there, Charlie, with you to watch it. It was it was crazy. Let's talk a little bit more about Forge. And trust me, uh, Atletico Ottawa fans, I know you're here in the chat. We'll get to your team in a second. Forge had no goals in three coming into a winless in five. They were, for the first real time, either on the canvas or up against the ropes uh, as a CPR club. Things have been not going well for them. Um the football gods, though, were in their favor here, Charlie. Bobby Smith yeah. has mentioned it afterwards. They've had chances galore during this poor run and just could not score. And then suddenly they were gifted not one, but two gifts from Atletico Ottawa to go, you know what, you can't score, so we're just going to let you, you know, we're going to give it to you instead. Uh, so they get given those gifts, they get the lead, but then it isn't enough for them to be given the lead. No, no, they have to hand it back and then show that they can find a way to win it. And that's, I think, was interesting one here. You, I think you call them, um, you know, you, you wrote in your analysis, responding to adversity. Is that the major topic here that Forge were able to get it done and find a way? Because ultimately, there's a lot of things we can get into individually, but Forge did find a way to win this after they threw it away. I think so. I think so. And it's it's weird because, yeah, you look at that goal 20 seconds in and it's just a deflating moment in Hamilton. You see the, the shoulders sag a little bit. You know, it... it feels maybe like this is a I, as a player I think if you're on the pitch in that moment you maybe start to feel like nothing is just going the right way for your club at the moment and then all of a sudden it absolutely is just the the reversal of fortunes in such incredible fashion is strange but Forge again yeah they find their way back into that game after they're gifted that that goal uh to equalize it they kind of huddle at the center of the pitch Wubens Passi has talked about it a little bit he said that they they just decided, they, they said in that moment, you know, we've been handed this opportunity to get back into the game. Uh, we have to make the best of it. And then they did in the rest of the first half. They played very well, I think, and were very dangerous. Scored again shortly after, again, off a defensive error, but still. Uh, and then, once again, when they let Ottawa back into the game, not something that Forge often do. They've, again, I, I looked it up, they've never blown a two-goal lead 
in their entire club history. They do that here at Tim Hortons Field. But then again, they're back on the score sheet. They win the game. They get all three points. Forge, I also looked this up six times this year. Within 10 minutes of conceding an equalizer or go-ahead goal, they've scored again. They've answered. So obviously, they didn't really score the equalizer the first time in this game, but that's right. that's still incredible for this team to to pull this one out. And I think it's it's one where we've spoken about some other games with other teams earlier this season about how a narrative can shift incredibly with a, a moment and maybe not even a moment that is caused by the team themselves. But again, this is a game where if Forge hadn't scored that winner, if Wubens Passius doesn't score that header after they blow the two goal lead, we're talking about a very different story for Forge yeah. today, but they won the game and that's really all that matters. And sometimes that's what you need to get the confidence back and get back on the horse really. Yeah, first win since May 27th, so almost a month uh, for Forge in the CPL. And after that, you know, we have to remember when they won their last win was also against Atletico Ottawa Schwania late in that game. A bit of a dagger as well that carried on their unbeaten run to start the season to seven. But since then, they've gone five games without a victory in the CPL. Let's go back to Tim Hortons Field for this one. Let's hear the thoughts of Forge FC head coach. Here's Bobby Smini-Otis. Quite the entertaining start to a game. Huh? If you're not a coach of either team, It's hard, it's hard to say, you know, it's, uh, we've had a tough uh, last few games, creating a lot, doing a lot, uh, not getting the results, and then, you know, 35 seconds in, the ball is uh, in your net. Uh, you know, you could have the thoughts of, uh, well, this is going to be interesting again, uh, but it's something we, we talked about, you know, uh, leading up uh, to this game, is just making sure that we're composed in anything that's, uh, that's occurring on the pitch. And I think that's the most important thing, um, because there's two teams on the field, and each one are trying to do the same thing. I don't think there's many teams that step on a field and say, I don't want to score a goal today. Um, so you have to take that as, a, as, your, as your starting point. And uh, the football gods find a way of neutralizing things. That's one thing I know over my four years plus year. Uh, we've had a lot of uh, high moments. We've had some difficult moments. But if you're doing the right things uh, week in, week out, and apart from one game this year where I thought we were very poor, um, I think we've been doing a lot of the, the good things. So today it was important for us to have three go- uh, three points and score some goals. The rest, forget about it. Well, we won't forget about it, but we'll do what we can to, to try and analyze it. Just a class act again from Bobby. Uh, interesting developments in Ontario around coaches right now. So I'll keep an eye on that maybe. Um, uh, but I'll just look, I'll say this. This collective storyline for me is the fact that they were able to come back. But what about individuals, Charlie? You know, ultimately, individuals in this game were able to step up. Taron Campbell, Wubitz Passius. There was a lot of players there that were, that I think, Sean, maybe even even some for Ottawa as well. What did you think and who are some of your, some of your greats that stood out? Yeah, I think for me, when we talk about individuals in this game, what stands out to me is, is a couple moments of personal responsibility and coaches showing faith in players. We, we spoke about it yesterday. Kadeem Kane this young player for Forge, who had a difficult midweek. Obviously, he gives the ball away for one of those goals in Vancouver for Forge, an 18-year-old player, at a moment where you know, some coaches might take that kid out of the lineup and, and maybe bury them in a squad for a couple of games after a mistake like that. You know, and, and by, a, I suppose, a combination of faith in his young player and not having a lot of other players available due to injury, Bobby gives him another chance immediately on the weekend to start in midfield in this game. And Kadeem Kane had an outstanding performance against Ottawa in this game. It's a, a massive bounce back for a, 
a very young player that Bobby went out of his way to compliment in his, his post-match comments. He, he played a, a very good game right next to Kyle Becker, who was also outstanding in this game, really starting to to hit his stride, I think, at the moment, after obviously he missed a lot of games at the beginning of the year, and now he's starting to to really be in that starting 11 every week and look exactly like the Kyle Becker that we've seen in the last five years in the CPL, and that's, again, tremendous for Forge. Uh, and, and then obviously the players that you mentioned at the start of this question, Pasillas and Campbell, I don't think there's any better thing to come out of this game for Forge than for those players to get on the score sheet. Uh, Pasillas hadn't scored in 11 games, I think, in all competitions heading into this one. He'd scored a couple at the start of the year, but uh, now he's back on, on the horse. And Taryn Campbell, I mean, as, as Bobby mentioned, uh, kind of in, in his post-game comments, nobody's really running away and scoring at the moment. Campbell is now tied for third with four goals in the CPL. So all of a sudden, things look a little bit happier in the, the goal-scoring department for Forge. And just you know, really quickly, in Ottawa, I think there are there are some some individual performances to show, but one I do want to shout out is Maxime Tissot, who, mm. again, moment of personal responsibility, gives the ball away for that second goal. But then as, as a, a leader in his team, he takes over the captain's armband at halftime. He steps up, he takes the ball for that free kick, and he scores it. Right, He's a, a former Forge player. He gives it to those fans a little bit who had been speaking at him earlier in the first half, which, you know, they rightly should after that second goal. But again, a, a moment of, of individual leadership, I think, to step up and score that goal. Yeah, I'm all for that as well. Um, abs- absolutely, no doubt. Get every credit. Uh, you talked about it. He scored the winning goal and I met with him after the game. Here's some post-game reaction from Tim Hortonsfield. Post-game reaction brought to you by Allstate. Where do we start? A seven-goal thriller here at Tim Hortonsfield. Just finished with the hero himself, Woodward's pass. So we've got the seventh goal, the winning goal. What are your immediate emotions after that one, Woodward? Uh, I don't even have the words. Uh, it's been a tough five, six games for us. And to be able here to, to come and score, because we didn't score for the past few games, it's, it's incredible. And again, like I always do, uh, I thank God for, for these moments, because it's important for us. Amen. Well said. Listen, you go down after 22 seconds, tied for the, we think, the fastest goal ever in CPL history. And then you get a fortunate goal yourself, and then there's a bit of a huddle that takes place. What's going on in the mind? What's being spoken at that point between the team? Uh, after the first goal, it was difficult, but but if you if you look, everyone was ready to go again, and I think that's a good mentality that we have to to have every game. And then we scored, and we keep we keep it that way. Even when Ottawa scored and came back to the game, we were focused and we were able to to score that goal. You go up three-one, then you concede three-two, then you concede three-three. It always seemed like there's going to be another one, and you got that one. I believe it's the first goal in over 10 hours of CPL play for you in CPL. What's that drought been like, and what did it feel like when it went in? Uh, it's incredible. Uh, to be able to score is the best feeling for me. And even if I, I couldn't score for the past few games, to come here and, and give that, that game winner, it's, it's incredible and happy for that. Last one for you, Rivers. You mentioned it. Uh, the team's been through a bad run, the, probably the worst run you've had in club history. Obviously, just a point from five games. What did it mean to you to get a victory in that way? What does it mean and over the last few weeks to be able to turn this around and get your first win for a month? It means a lot. Uh, we needed that one. And uh, I think it's good. And uh, it's good for everyone, for the team. And it gives a statement to the league that we are back and we want to give more. This is pretty special Sunday night. No? Yes, We've got over yes, 7,000 yes. here. Yeah. We've got Ottawa players right outside of the camera here just lying down in disbelief. This is what football's all about. Exactly. No? That's why it's the best uh, sport in, in the world. It's great. Congratulations on the goal, my man. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. 
Great stuff from Woodman's Passius, who again needed that goal, as I said, over 10 hours of CPL action before he got there. Let's talk Atletico Ottawa, uh, Charlie. In fact, before we get your take on it, let's go back to Tim Hortons Field and hear from the man himself, Carlos Gonzalez, who addressed the media after this one, their head coach. They were matching all, all our, our players. You know, they were playing 4-2-3-1 against our system that is uh, man-to-man everywhere. And uh, we were not winning deals. So we had to create superiorities by other things. That's why we, we decided to, to change the system, to, to look for superiorities, to look to, to create uh, from there and, and find the spaces that we wanted on the game plan. So I, th- I think it worked, you know, but, but at the end of the day, we give up, give up the game like uh, twice, first half and second half. As usual, brutally honest. Um, they scored three goals, really good goals, and still lost. That's never easy to take, Charlie. Um, I know in, in the end, they, they, they gave away four bad ones. But Carlos Gonzalez has some strong words, said they lack concentration, lack focus, need to be more competitive. Didn't hold things back here as he was very angry. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's understandable. When you When you score three goals in a game, you expect to win it, especially if you're going away from home and, and putting the ball in the net like that it's such a strange game and such a strange feeling for Atletico Ottawa and in that those comments there Carlos is talking about the triple substitution that they made at halftime where he felt like Forge were kind of matching them man to man they couldn't get through them so he adds a little bit more directness and pace with Asi and and Johnny Dos Santos coming in on the wings and Zachariah Bahus coming into midfield and he gets Miguel Acosta back to his natural right back and then it's Bahus and uh, and Dos Santos that combine for the equalizing goal. So Ottawa were playing some of the best football they played this year in kind of the 30, 30-ish minutes coming out of halftime. And I thought they looked very good at times and, and probably had done enough in that second half to, to be worthy of that comeback and to get something out of this game. But again, it's, it's just such a, a strange thing where there's one moment where the concentration dips and it's just not there. And, and you know, Poku sends in an excellent cross from the left and Pasillas manages to get free of his marker and make a very good run run and, and get his head on a ball. So again, Ottawa, not I don't think you can get too high or low after this game. I think especially if you're Gonzalez, you maybe throw a lot of the tape out in this game. But yeah, I think it's definitely a a feeling of, of kind of a, a shock on the ride back from Hamilton to Ottawa last night. It would probably feel a little bit like like being punched in the face and just not really knowing what happened. Yeah. Probably a little bit, a little bit dazed after that one. Cause it's going to be one that, you know, they, they have to maybe digest a little bit. Digest is a good word after it is only week 11, but for a long time, a lot of those players took a long time to come off the pitch, sitting on the bench in disbelief, uh, staring at the bottom of the feet, of the feet, of the ground, just like, you know, shocked that they were unable to get that, but they have now yeah. conceded eight goals in their last three away games, Cavalry, York and Forge. That was not the case last year. That is something they've got to figure out fast. All right, Charlie, we're going to move on pretty quickly, but what is next for these two short week, short, short turnaround and some exciting games for both. Yeah. Quick little turnaround. Both these teams on the road on Friday night, uh, Ottawa, they're heading out West to Pacific in a, I guess a rematch of last year's CPL semifinal after this week's final rematch. And uh, and Forge are out on the East Coast in Halifax in, in what will be a pretty pretty entertaining, pretty exciting game for both of those teams in Nova Scotia. So it's a, a pretty fun Friday doubleheader in the CPL this week. 
Should be exciting. Don't forget to check, of course, all games live on One Soccer. And as usual, Charlie's analysis and words can be read at campl.ca. We appreciate you, Charlie. Thanks again for this. Uh, from Hamilton, we move to Calgary, Alberta, where we bring in our own Benedict Rhodes to recap another thriller and another game where a lead was relinquished and then recovered. Trends in the CPL continue to happen. Overall, Benny, what number out of 10 would you give this one as York United just narrowly lost this game by two goals to one with a late Ali Moosey goal? What did you like about it? I think a seven and a half is probably fair. I think, you know, it was, it was a pretty good one uh, overall. I think, you know, Calvary, you know, he said took the took the lead in this game in the second half. It was a, a first half maybe where both teams had their chances, but were able to struggle to take advantage of them. And then after the break, that, that kind of changed where Porter on YouTube, you saw an excellent finish by, by young Gote and Tigny, who was fantastic in this game. And then, uh, you know, York, as they have been doing of late, you know, battled back and, and were able to find an equalizer through Mobabuli and, uh, you know, it looked like this game was going to be, you know, an even an even one one draw, which seemed fair for both sides. But then uh, a moment of magic from Ali Musi was, was the difference in the end, and uh, fantastic free kick, and and he comes up huge again for Valor. I'm sorry for Cavalry as he as he has done several times in his career. Yeah, so uh, certainly Winnipeg man allowed that Valor connection there as well <laughs> from previously. A game of individual brilliance, no? I mean, it looked like with the Babouli's goal that York were going to go on and get something. At that point, we're playing really well. Um, but to see Babouli and Moosey shine is, is, I think, a real shining light for the CPL. Yeah, but, you know, the, the best part about you know, this league and, and this sport is, you know, when, when, this, when the stars show up and, and do what they're, what they're paid to do and what we kind of expect them to do. And and we saw that in this game, you know, Moosey and, and Babouli, two of the best players in this league on their day, and both of them stepped up big when their teams needed them. Let's talk Cavalry, Benny. The story around them heading into this was how many points they continue to left, leave, leave on the table from winning positions. Again, here, they were up 1-0. Then they conceded one. It looked like it could be a familiar trend. Then Moosey steps up and scores. Uh, how big was it, not only to get that three points, but just to kind of move away from that growing trend that was developing Calgary a little bit? Yeah, I think both are very important. You know, the look at the, the table and the three points itself. You know, they they kind of... Moved a little bit closer to, to York, who who in this in the past week have lost to two teams who are directly battling them, I guess, for, for playoff spots. And so that, that was huge in that sense. And then, like you said, you know, dropping points from winning positions is, is always difficult for any team. And and uh, to kind of break away from that trend and, and then to go on and come back and get the full three points is, is very important. Let's talk a little bit about the greats in a second. But before that, let's go back to Spruce Beddles at Echo Field and hear from the star man himself. Here's Ali Moosey. It's big. It's big for confidence, obviously. You know, I feel like I've been close. And keep uh, kept on getting close and close, and it's nice to actually score. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought overall it was a good team performance, though. I, I don't, I don't want to take anything away from that. I think we worked very hard on both ends, and I think we deserve the three points. Typical Ali then taking away the attention from himself, but it has to be said, un- undoubtedly one of the stars of the league this season, arguably one of the best players in the league. You mentioned it earlier, Moosey Babuli were terrific. Uh, time for a list of your greats. Benny, who, who are some of the individuals that stood out for you watching this one? Yeah, apart from those two, of course, you know, I think uh, the, the York kind of midfield duo behind Babouli, Jeremy Gagnon Lapare and, and Brem Samara were both fantastic in this game. Uh, they, they play well with each other. Uh, they, they have a new partnership, as they, as they keep saying. And, uh, you know, as they start to get more consistency, I think that partnership will continue to grow. And then for Cavalry, you know, the, the two young the two young wingers, Gautier and Tigny and uh, Garrett Smith-Doyle, both of them are fantastic in this game. Tigny has the goal, played a huge role in, in getting the free kick that led to Moosey's goal as well. And both of them were electric in this game. 
It's great to see young players shining. A shout out to Eric Cobbs as well. I thought played really well at the back. Uh, but you mentioned it. Let's go back to at Coalfield, get some reaction from York. Now here's Jeremy Gagnon Lapare talking about that midfield partnership developing. Now he's back fully fit with Brem tomorrow. I've only been back for uh, two weeks now, so it's been very nice to get a bit of uh, consistency and uh, playing time. And uh, uh, everyone I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be playing here is uh, is a is a new partnership because uh, obviously it's my first uh, first year with York. Uh, but I thought uh, the last uh, last couple of games we uh, we we did well and uh, we understand each other pretty pretty good. And he's a uh, He's a good all-around player and um, can compensate when I do something, and I can do the same for him when he does something. So uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been uh, it's been good the last few games. Uh, can uh, some, something we can build on? We're just a couple of minutes away from Tommy Wilden Jr. joining us live. Anybody got the questions from? Just feel free to put them in the chat. Uh, as for York, it was always going to be tough, Benny. A third game in six days in three different provinces. They played well at Pacific and lost in the 88th minute. They played decent against Halifax in a 2-2 game uh, and conceded a late goal in that one as well. Uh, so tough games in terms of conceding late, but they played well enough uh, to maybe get something in this game. Do you think? Do you think overall that they were frustrated not to come away with a point? I, I think so. I think you know they 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 probably did deserve a point in the first half. I think they had some some big chances. Also, I think the one that Austin Ritchie, for example, where he was only a couple of yards out of the net and kind of just scuffed his shot wide. But um, I think the chances were there for them to, to maybe pick up a couple more goals and at least one point. But uh, I do think it ultimately Cavalry you know kept the pressure on and gave to advantage some, some tired York legs as you mentioned and and were able to sort of find that difference in the end. I know it was Di Rosario was on the bench in this game and ended up didn't coming on. I heard that he got a little bit of a niggle from the travel as well, so didn't necessarily feel 100%. That's probably why he wasn't one of the five substitutes in that game as well. Let's go back to uh, Spruce Meadows in reaction from this. From York United, here's their head coach, Martin Nash. I was real pleased with the performance. Um, you know, I think it was a really even game. Uh, tough for us, you know, third game in five days or six days with, you know, going west coast, back to Toronto and back over here, so... I mean, the guys put in a shift and, uh, you know, felt, felt a little bit short, but, uh, you know, it was a quality strike uh, to win the game. Yeah, lots of quality strikes in this one. All right, they talk about the travel. It doesn't get much easier for York. Uh, Benny, before we let you go, what's next for these two? What's on tap for both these clubs? Yeah, so Calvary head to uh, Winnipeg on, on Saturday for Canada Day game. Two teams in the middle of the table sort of battling out for positions. I think that would be a good one. And then, on Sunday, York are on the West Coast again. They're, they're playing uh, Vancouver FC for the first time, I believe, in Langley. They're getting their frequent flyer miles in for sure. That's a tough travel, tough, tough challenge for York United at the moment, but every club goes through it. We know that. Um, we always enjoy your presence, Benny. Again, continue the great work. Uh, Bandit Roads, Campiel.ca, as usual. Uh, we continue to talk more about Cavalry, and we go out to Calgary now live as we bring in our man, Tommy Wielden Jr., to join us. Uh, Tommy's got his coffee ready, I think. It's a little bit early out there, but as usual, Tommy, thanks for joining us, my man. Uh, great to see you. And, uh, and as we say, Monday morning's always better after a win, no? Yeah, of course it is. I mean, it's always nice being home anyway, and our home record always speaks to that. But uh, yeah, three points is just, it's, it's strange. I was having this conversation with my son. I said, here's the thing about football. I said, every week you prepare to beat your opposition. 
So when you do it, you're like, okay, we were meant to do that. When you don't, you're frustrated because that's what is expected of you. It's a, it's a strange profession to be in, KJ, that's for sure. It certainly is, mate. But you still, you got more dark hair than grey. You're doing something right. Yeah, no. yeah, that's that's probably just product today. Yeah. <laughs> As usual, we, we we love the honesty. Uh, lots to get into with you. Um, I want to talk more about the team in a second, but I want to start with Ali uh, because mm-hmm. obviously he did get the winner for you, and he's been absolutely terrific this year. He's always wanted to talk about the team, but um, have you noticed anything different uh, this year as he's gone to another level or what, what have you seen in terms of his dedication for the cause this year and uh, playing for you so consistently well every week? Yeah, I think with Ali, he's, um, he's at the agent stage now. And I think the renewal of his contract kind of given the confidence and the trust in himself to now just go and explore, uh, he's always had the ability, you know, I remember him playing against him when he was 16, 17 year old lad at the Whitecaps residency. Uh, and then obviously he joined me in 2017 with the Calgary Foothills group. So much talent. I think for him was now learning how to be a professional, how to be disciplined in in your craft. Um, he had a great off season. Uh, I don't think he really, other than a, a week holiday somewhere, he was always in the gym. He was always on the training ground. Uh, he's been working on his craft. And right now all I see in him is just this stone cold focus on the game and the opponent on trying to be the best player he can be. Um, and he's very good uh, in 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 opening a game. He can have that moment of brilliance of his little quick sidestep. He's got incredible shooting range. Um, and you've seen on the weekend that poise in that moment to to capture the win for us was just that's been Ali so dialed in. So dialed in indeed. You know, I haven't been out to Calgary yet this season. I will get there. But what is seemingly very noticeable to me, again, is the educated crowd, Tommy. You know, mm. it was a game on the weekend where you were up and you look like you're going to win it. You went down with a screamer from Babouli. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about this sport, it doesn't matter where you're playing it, on the park or whatever, if you get that confidence and you get people giving you that boost from the sidelines and you need it in those key moments, that's what fans are for. No? And I thought the fans were absolutely terrific in the second half. That you know, Antigny's run almost exploded and got them out of it. And then the free kick that led to it, I think yeah. came a lot of it from that fan base. What was that like there? Did you feel that energy coming from them to, to, to almost get you over the line? Uh, our fans certainly. I know it sounds cliche at times. That are our twelfth man. They um, they just give us that boost, and hence why probably I don't know what the data points are. We've probably got the strongest home record in league history. You do, yeah, They're, yeah. So and and large part is down to them. They literally g the boys up. You know, even at half time, we talked about a couple of moments uh, how we could cut uh, York open, and the first goal was exactly like that because we had a move just prior that was just off, very similar to the pattern we were working on. But, you know, when you got someone like Gote, I always think of myself, if I'm them, what do you want to see? You want to see an Ali Moosey drop a shoulder. You want to see um, a Dan Klomp coming through a commanding header. You want to see Charlie Trafford, you know, tackling somebody or Jesse Day tackling someone in midfield. And then Gote Natigny, I think he's the fastest player I've ever worked with. Um, and when he ran in front of us, it was just like Usain Bolt running past us. But <laughs> the foot soldiers were just sucking him in from that side. And I, I watched the game again yesterday and, and I didn't notice it in the game. But when Babuli scored, you can actually hear them singing cavalry. And I'm like, I only noticed it afterwards because right away you kind of recalibrate, okay, what can we do next? And watching the game back, I'm like, the players can hear that. You know, we've just gone and it was a screamer. You know, there's nothing Marco could have done about that. That's Babuli's quality. But um, for our fans to be singing that and, you know, when Jose goes on, they're singing for his name. It's just, it gives us that lift. And um, yeah, the three points are deserving and, and credit to them. 
you mentioned Jose. Let's get into it a little bit. And I know mm. there's only certain th- certain things we can say. Foot, foot soldiers are asking questions in the chat about if anything's going to be announced in the league and the club. I would just say, just wait your time. You know, there's lots of things that evolve in this, and and you know, there's nothing that the club and the league can announce at this moment. But it was a special day for him. O- ultimately, um, hundred appearances. We saw it with Marco, a CPL centurion, Tommy, um, and that's what clubs are built on. No foundational pieces like yeah. that. That you know, whether he moves on or whatever happens yeah. next. What es- I'd like to know what you think Escalante has led the impression on other players, as that's football anyway, whether they move on today or they move on in five years, that the ability to continue to pass on that message about what playing for that football club means, I would imagine, is pretty priceless. Yeah, well, what I can say, there's, there's, there's no confirmed exit strategy at this point. What I can confirm um, is as a human being, he's missed his family. He's been away from his five-year-old son. Um, this year, he's been from away from his wife since January of this year, um, and he's been heartbroken because of it. So he's come to us as a football club and just asked for some special dispensation, which is what we've given him. What we're trying to figure out next as a football club and as a league is what that looks like because he's contracted to us through to a 2024 option. Is it is it temporary? Is it loan? Is it is it permanent? So what we're giving him is time. Um, and I think that, you know, in the light of things we've been through in you know this generation with the pandemics and things, family has to come first. And, and that's what we've done at this moment. Um, what he's meant to the football club, you've seen it at the end of it. We said, Let, let's get you through your 100 games and just you know put pause on it. Uh, what he's meant to the fans, what he's meant to me as a person. You know, there's two types of people that you work with, KJ, um, as, as a manager. There's transactional players that come in, represent the jersey and do it. Yeah, brilliant. And then they leave and move on to the next club. Um, and there's transformational people that come in and change the way you think about life, about the way you play the game, about, you know, the community that you give to. He coaches in the community with Southwest United. He, you know, integrates himself with the fans. He was one of the few players that turned up just on a fan night with his family last year. Um, yeah, he's, 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 he's a transformational player and has helped me understand this league, the CONCACAF, the, the Honduran, the culture. Um, yeah, and whatever happens next, I'll forever be thankful for the time we've got to work with him. Very well. So we're going to get to some chat questions in a second, but I want to ask you about your overall impressions of the CPL in 2023, Tommy. We were at Hamilton last night and Bobby came out and said that he thinks it's been a bit of um, a trans- a lot of, a transitional league in terms of how a lot of players always transition. There's not a lot of control in games this mm-hmm. year and maybe the teams are a lot closer um, what have you seen this year in terms of how different it is? We've certainly seen the difference in results. We've seen a lot of, I think, a lot of uh, leads that would have been in the past been kept, that have been relinquished, not just in Calgary, all across the league. We saw it again this weekend. Um, what have you seen this year in terms of how the league's different? And is it, do you think, here to stay for the rest of the year clo- with it being so close? I think pure chaos, to be honest, KJ. It, um, <laughs> I'm not sure. Like uh, We're trying to weigh that up ourselves because... You know, the interesting thing is we, with the games in hand we've got, like it, we're actually in a good place, but we felt like we haven't been getting the results, whether it be a mistake, a moment of brilliance or a bad decision. They've been going, but it's not just us. You know, I think the only one club you'd say that's had a really true and sustained run through the first 10 games has been Pacific, you know, and now we're entering it there. But at some point, they're going to have to travel across to the East, you know, repeatedly. And it's going to test every single squad. Um, I think what you're seeing is probably more quality. Uh, every club now from top through bottom um, is, is well matched. And there's different ways to win football matches. So if you choose to defend deep and hit on the counter, 
power to you. Ottawa won it brilliantly. They won the regular season last year doing it and they ground out results and had quality to cut you open. The hardest thing in football is to score goals. Um, and you know that when come playoff, you've got to find a way to score goals that suit the players you have. Uh, I do I do think now, KJ, the other big difference is, is all teams have two formations and a third if things aren't going around. And what I mean by that is it's no longer a, a 4-3-3. Um, it's just the names you put on a team sheet. Teams have an attacking formation and a defensive formation. And then if things change, they throw out a plan B. So you've got to be prepared now as a coach. I remember we spoke, I think it was in the 2021 bubble in Winnipeg and the games against Forge where we, we were we were cross-referencing and doing different um, patterns within the game. Every team's doing that. So mm. I think the coaching is, uh, is really improved and the players' adaptability. So I've got family over from England now that are watching these games and going, everybody's trying to play and it's only going to bode well for Canadian football moving forward is they're going to be tactically more versatile going into international football, CONCACAF football. You know, when we see the successes of what, you know, Victor Latouri's had and now Aaron Peppel's now got a chance to be in and around a Premier League environment, they're going to be well-versed and now they have to transform again. So it's, uh, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, that's a great answer. I love the answer about the the coaching. You guys are, are, are taking this league to another level collectively. And Pacific are flying, but it has to be said that nine of their first 13 games are at home and they have got to go on that run themselves. So we're going to see maybe a little bit of parity coming in there uh, as well. Um, some of the questions in the chat for Tommy, uh, now celebrating our 50 as a league. Have you seen the CPL stature grow internationally, especially around the CPL's ability to attract international talent? You obviously involved in recruitment as well as coaching. Tommy, what's your kind of thought process when you talk all to these different clubs, agents and players all around the world? Yeah, um, I think now we're, we're, I tell you, and it's not just because I'm speaking with you. I, I do think now because of Media Pro investing in one soccer, it's now being exported around the rest of the world. It's interesting now because wouldn't that be great if we saw it, you know, being played in live TV homes as well in our own country? Because, uh, you know, people are in airports in Mexico or down in the States and watching it on Fox Soccer. As, uh, I've got people in England watching it on BT Sport and texting me after the game. I've got cousins, friends and families that are watching it worldwide. I think our worldwide exposure is so professionally done that, you know, everyone talks about, you know, say, say the MLS or USL, and what differentiates us the way we do ours is the way we deliver the product. Um, I think that's really good. We've now created a trading history of players that are going on into other leagues and doing well. Um, I think when you get a club like Atletico Madrid purchasing Ottawa to, to, to be part of their family, it's huge. So, um, we're being validated for the Canadian men's to get to this World Cup. And then, you know, your Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David doing well. Kyle Laren's doing well. Suddenly now the brand of a Canadian is different than when a, a Nick Ledgewood or Martin Nash played overseas. They're actually looking at this stock going, this is it. And now you're going to be part of the next 2026 World Cup. You know, hence why when we had the opportunity to bring Oliver Minitel back, we've got a big thing about players that have worn the crest. You know, how can we create, you know, like that Ajax, like that Manchester United, where you bring them through, Bayern Munich, bring them through. Oliver Minitel is, you know, we've got this thing, transfer room, where he deals with sporting directors, heads of recruitments, and they're all asking about these young Canadian players. So um, we're certainly in, in a golden era, and I think we're just at the start of it because our, our brand is only going to get better and better. Yeah, definitely. Uh, no doubt about it. C-Mac says, for Tommy, Cobbser has been a great surprise this season. I mentioned him earlier, both in central midfield and he also played in the back line this week. Um, not sure what you can say about the next one, but maybe if you can't, just talk about how good he's been. Is there a contract to convert him in the fall? Is he going back to the USC? Um, he's been terrific for you, Tommy. Obviously, draft pick, uh, you know, 
I'm sure you didn't expect to play him as often as you have with the significant injuries you've had to Shamit and Callum. Um, but it just looks like he belongs. He does. Um, you know, I've got to give credit to to the UFC. You know, they they had him. He was their captain. Brendan O'Connell, their coach, spoke very, very highly of him. And, you know, Brendan's had a really good gay, uh, pro experience himself. So when he says about this lad is ready, you know, we took that seriously. And we brought him away on preseason. We fit in. We played him at the back. We played him in midfield. And, you know, he's a different player than Joel Waterman. Joel could do both as well. Um, Joel, Joel has that bit more of a, a poison, a finesse to him. Um, Eric has that bit more of a bite to him, but both can do similar roles. So we love him. We, we want to keep him around for a long time. Uh, we're going to be working on what that looks like here in the next little while because we've got that August 1st release or retain date. Um, but what I can confirm is, is, is we'll be retaining him, that's for sure. Fantastic news. All right, last one for you, Tommy, is this, is what's the what's the plan going in? You're almost at mid-season. Um, you know, do you still feel, obviously, I'm sure you still feel, feel really comfortable with what's going on in terms of how you're playing. Um, what's what's to come, you know, in terms of injuries to return back, like what's Shamit and Callum status? And then uh, what's the plan going forward into the next few weeks in terms of, you know, building towards trying to get back into that playoff spot and stay there? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, um, we'll feel like we've got three new sign-ins when, um, you know, Joe Mason's just come back in. You know, he's he's now behind Sergio in the second leading scorer in the, in the, in the club, which is, a, which is a really good challenge to have because both of them are, are team guys, but they actually have a little bit of a competition within them. And now my Bevan scoring, it adds into another another depth piece. Um, Shamit Shom is back full training this week. So we're going to assess him over the next week or two. T- terrifically intelligent and a great runner. Um, I think he adds uh, energy and quality in midfield. Um, and then Callum Montgomery, weird injury, like the the the, the fascia on his foot tore, and it's it's not like a muscle where you you repair it. It takes a bit of time. So we're open by mid to end of July. He'll be returning to training. So that's really good. Uh, we've got a little bit of movement this uh, this transfer window, but in in a, in a positive way. Um, we want to increase our under twenty one minutes. That's something we want to look. You know, Goatee's done great. Gareth Smith Doyle's done great. Um, but we feel that we need to add another, you know, coming through that can, you know, play consistent minutes for us. So, so that will be coming up. And um, and then, yeah, then maybe there's one other piece that we're going to look at in the transfer window um, before it closes at the end of August. So, yeah, it's good. We're we're in a good place because I think we've we've shown some good things this year. But I think we can be better, and and I do, and I feel it. And I think the the result on the weekend against York, who are a good, really good side. Um, showed that we've got that quality and the grit that we've had in the past. And that's what you're going to need for the second half of the season. Yeah, great answer as usual. So insightful, as you said, like it's still anybody's game, no? Like that mm. that top spot, you know, to, to get that home field advantage and also with, you know, potential teams winning a double and a, a potential spot in the Champions League. There's a lot to play for, Tommy. And and there's there's plenty of teams who still believe they can win this. Absolutely. And we're one of them, right? You've got to, We've still got to play some of the top sides two or three more times. So win your series um, and, and then you put yourself in the best possible spot. If you're the first to lift the new trophy, wouldn't that be a great one? Certainly would. Tommy, always a pleasure. We can't thank you enough to spend a little bit of time with us this morning. Keep up the great work. Congrats on a fantastic win again and the tremendous atmosphere that you've helped continue to create at Spruce Meadows. Keep up the great work, mate. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Tommy Wilden Jr. Always gracious with his time and a class act in the CPL. We remind you, you can still play CPL Predictor weekly brought to you by our friends at tonybetcampl.ca slash predictor. Choose the correct scores. You can win $20,000 tickets to games. It's all there 
on the site. Our final stop of the show takes us to Winnipeg, where we bring in our own Alex Ganguruzic as Valor FC defeated Vancouver FC by one goal to nil. A close one, AGR, in this one. Overall, what number out of 10 would you give this contest and its compelling factor? And why? What did you like about this one? Yeah, I mean, it was an interesting match between the, the the two kids, I guess, the two VFCs, but also the teams that have been playing all the U21 minutes. And I feel like uh, it made for an interesting game on that regard. Ultimately, it ended up being a lot cagier than I expected. Valor at home, that's what they do. They, they know how to, to control the game and control what they're good at. So in terms of a factor, I'll give it a five. But there was a lot to be interested about. It was uh, you know, Valor were a bit frustrated after midweek where they went to Pacific. They did well, but, you know, some Eamon Salouf magic and Easton Ongaro magic kind of undid them in the end. So they were eager to get a win, continue their strong home form, now up to undefeated 13 straight games. Their first back-to-back home wins of the season after beating Forge a couple weeks back. So for, for Valor, there was obviously that implication. Then for Vancouver, it was just trying to build off that win and in midweek where they had all the, the U21 minutes, all the young uh, players, just an average age of 21.9. And I think because of that, it, it was fascinating to see just some of these players on display. The fact that both teams cleared their U21 minutes for the year was also a bit of a special milestone. And in the end, Valor did dominate the game, were deserved winners and continue to be a, a, a team that's slowly climbing up the rankings after a bit of a, a worrying few weeks there. Yeah, they had that run after the first week of the victory where they went winless in, in, in eight. And th- things didn't necessarily, even though there were some draws there, things didn't necessarily look like they're going their way. Suddenly they found ways to win at home. As you mentioned, back-to-back wins now. They beat Forge and then they beat Vancouver. And that's the beauty of football, right? In a close league, three points just feels so enormous compared to one. Uh, and the milestones you mentioned, are great to see both teams passing the under 21-minute mark in this game. That's what it's about. It's not about climbing to the end and just trying to get over. It's about developing these young players, which is great to see. Let's talk a little bit more about Valor AGR. You had a fantastic comprehensive breakdown of the analysis of this game and what worked for them. You called them a professional outfit, which I thought was pretty good. How impressed were you with them as this team looks like a side that very few teams have been able to break down so far this in, in the CPL. Absolutely. And I think full credit has to be given to, to Phil DeSantos, uh, you know, his head coach, his staff, and just the players for buying into it. Because ultimately this is a team, other than that Halifax game a few weeks ago, and Phil mentioned it in the press conference after, it's kind of almost haunts him in a way. They've just been so committed and to their identity. And you see it every game. You know that they want to defend. They want to have that solid mid block. They want to stretch the field out. They want to get the ball to their strikers. You know, and I think just that commitment can be, you know, you can uh, applaud that. I think, like you mentioned, there's still more for them to hit. But I just think the fact in terms of teams being committed to their identity, you know what Valor is. And how many times in the past where you didn't know that you said, oh, there's some good pieces there. You know, there's some some good defenders, some good attackers. Something just doesn't quite look right. When you watch this Valor team, you know what they want to do. And I think this game was the best example of it because pretty much from minute one, Pacific Nyamagabir was back, which was huge, and they missed him dearly over those two games. Uh, well, he was off, off at AFCON qualifiers with Burundi, and he just immediately gets the ball. He stretches the field. He wants to take guys 1v1. Jared Alou on the other side also had a quietly good game and you know benefited off the space that Nyamagabir provides. And then from there, they just control the game in midfield. Gutierrez is just having a, a blinder of a season, the way he can control matches, can get involved. And then from there, just the flexibility. And I think that's the biggest part about their identity, right? That's, you know, yeah. we talk about all these injuries. No Matteo de Brienne over the last few weeks. The center back crisis, you can call it. Fullbacks being injured, midfielders. It's kind of a credit to how clear and identifiable the system is that 
if one day Walter Ponce is playing at left wing, he's comfortable playing that. If Dante Campbell's playing at left back, he knows what his role is. And I think that comes down to that clear identity. And it's showing off in the way that Valor, no matter if the results aren't coming, you know what they're going to do. And, and, and in games like this, when it comes off, it looks very professional. It looks very clean. Yeah, very, very well said. Let's go back to IG Field in Winnipeg and hear from their head coach. Here's Philip DeSantos. It's, um, it's one of those that, and we were talking about it. Uh, you know, we played similar games maybe 12 months ago, and we would come out with a draw and not finding a way. And I, I agree with you, with the dominance that it was, one goal seems short. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's it's one step forward, right? We know, as a coach, you know what you have to keep progressing on. Um, a lot of our, our, the last couple of days have been about being a little bit more pragmatic and aggressive, getting forward, not find, not always looking for the perfect play, the per- perfect action, getting players in higher positions. And today, you know, we saw that had we been a little bit more ambitious, ambitious in certain moments of the game, maybe um, you could get out of, of, of the game with two or three goals uh, more than what you scored in reality. So um, for me, it's if I'm not creating. If we're not getting players in good spots, that worries me a little bit more. Okay, AJ, time for the list of your greats in 60 seconds or less. Who impressed on both these teams? Yeah, I think uh, for for Valor was Diego Gutierrez kind of led the the regard the, the way in that regard. Just was dominant on both sides of the ball. Got the the winning penalty. So it was good to see from him. Nyonga Beer was huge in in his return. Um, but a guy I feel like it doesn't really get a lot of shouts, and Phil DeSantis didn't talk about him after the game, is Juan Pablo Sanchez. He, he's eligible for U21 minutes. He's Canadian, but he's kind of just flown under the radar in Valor. He plays in midfield, and he just he gets things done. He has these way of playing these clever passes. He works extremely hard off the ball, and I think he's been a huge addition in that midfield, and it's why Dante Campbell has been able to slot all over the pitch, and you kind of don't lose what he brings uh, to the midfield. And then for Vancouver, it was a bit of a <clears throat> rougher performance for them versus midweek, but Cal Irving was excellent. And really, you know, that's the benefit of having a goalie like that is that maybe you don't have your best performance. He keeps you in it right to the very end. They could have easily rescued a point uh, at the depth. And that, uh, that's why you want a goalkeeper like him uh, in, in, in between the, the, the sticks. So huge game from Cal Irving and, and a long line of them this season, despite what the, the goals against record might suggest. Yeah, very well said, Cal Irving and the uh, team of the week that's getting announced this week uh, very shortly. And of course, Juan Pablo Sanchez, I got him in there as well. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Um, a player, as you alluded to, has allowed them to play different ways, right? And Gutierrez can go further forward as well. Uh, but let's be honest, it was Gu- Gutierrez's game carrying them again. Let's go back to Winnipeg and hear from the skipper himself. The room is, is always when it's the preseason and now it's always the same. Uh, the guy, the guys is you no know, really like the roommate. Every every guy is is, is good. The, the personality. So for me, the it's the best room look room for me. So that's why the team is is being well. Well said. Okay, AGR, you know this team, Vancouver FC, really well. You've seen them a ton live as now as well. Um, they clearly need a fresh talent. They've got some significant injuries, some players who are probably not going to play for them anymore. Still got without Caden Chung. Elliot Simmons is hurt now. Obviously, Martinez was suspended still. Very young team. But again, this is the eighth time out of 12 where a game has been decided by one goal or less. 
that's impressive, uh, even though they're not getting the victories. Your thoughts on that? And overall, you can see it is still an Ashwin Gottman team, even though they've had a lot of changes in personnel. Yeah, there's a lot to make of this Vancouver Sun. I kind of did write about it after the game. Is that it, you're right? They're very disciplined. It almost you forget that at times. Is that a game like this? Valor was all over them. They held their own. Again, it's important to remember that Tyler Crawford, Anthony White, you know, Ibrahim Bakari, James Cameron, that's a back four of what an average age of 20. <laughs> like that's unheard of in professional sports. And you saw that in midweek as well. You sub in Rocco Romeo for Bakari in the back line. He's 23. He's not adding much to that, that average age. And the fact they look so disciplined at their best um, shows, you know, that they, they, they have a commitment to the system, especially defensively. Where they're going to have to figure things out is, is in the attack. And it just feels like the biggest issue that I've seen is that sometimes the pieces don't line up. Like, I think the biggest example is Amir Kanani up front in this game. Uh, scored a great goal in midweek. Was great to see because he's had some high energetic performances off the bench. He's not a striker that's going to be going out there and bullying defenders and wearing them down and back to goal and playing. He's a guy who's going to run around. He's going to press. He's going to play in between the channels. So I found it very fascinating that over the last two games, I think he's won 13 of his 30 aerial or 30 duels. Like he's not a striker who wants to win duels yet. There's moments where just, there's so many balls being hoofed to him. They're losing easy chances to maybe keep possession, play between the lines. And there, there's other examples like Batar and Sandoval great between the lines. We're not seeing enough of them between the lines. TJ Tahid in his short time in the league has shown that he can run at defenders and Minjay Kwok as well. Like you kind of know what these guys are and what they do. And we're not maybe seeing Vancouver get those guys in enough of those moments. So I think that's going to be that next step of, okay, you kind of know who your profiles are. You know what Sean Hundell is going to bring. He's, mm. you know, maybe a bit more of a traditional number nine. You know what these these guys can do. How can you get those them on the ball in those regards? And to be fair, Gottby did make a good point when I, when I asked him about what's missing for his attack. Their midfield will need a look. It will need an upgrade because... Uh, you know, Caden Chung was playing there purely because they didn't have any better options. He he looks great, then gets injured. And then this game, you have suspensions to, to Nima Moazeni, right? And that kind of leaves another one where you're playing Marcus Simmons, who hasn't really played all year, and Gile Sandoval pivot. One's mostly played as a fullback, but the other's a 10. That's not going to, you know, against a Valor team that dominates the midfield, you're not going to go very far. So first of all, for, for them, Vancouver, I feel like it starts and ends with the midfield. I think that will help a lot of their offensive problems. And then from there, they have to adapt. Okay, you know what Hondala is. You know what Kanani is. You know what these guys are. How do you get them in their preferred positions and spaces on the field? Yeah, transfer window opening up very soon and expect some key arrivals uh, coming in out west as well. Let's go back to Winnipeg. Here are the thoughts of you mentioned him, the aforementioned head coach of Vancouver Football Club. Here is Afshwin Gopi. It's important to say that after such a great performance and a result at home against Forge, uh, we had suspensions to one of our best central defenders and one of our important players in midfield, uh, Nima. So now you come into the team, already we have more other suspensions and we have other injuries and now you lose two other starting members. So with that situation i think uh, it was a heroic effort from our players uh, some players getting their first start um, and and playing as well as we did in my opinion uh, until the, the penalty and uh, i'm proud of the performance until that moment of course offensively we could have been a little bit more clinical more focused uh, uh, more precise uh, but defensively we did a fantastic job uh, the penalty changed the game and my, our reaction as a team, uh, I, I was not happy about being down 0-1 uh, 
we needed to at that moment come out of our shell, show ourselves and play more football and create more openings. And I think we didn't do well in that part. The good news for Vancouver is the last time they lost one nil away, uh, which was in Ottawa earlier this month, they returned home and won. And they return home again this week. Uh, AGR, what's next on the tab for these two teams? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's going to be a big week, obviously. Uh, you know, Canada Day long weekend, so lots of exciting soccer there. And Valor stays at home. Uh, they, they get to host Cavalry in what should be a very tasty game after uh, Cavalry's heroics over the weekend. What a game that was. And then for Vancouver, they return home, and they'll look to build off that first home victory. They get York. That's going to be a tough Poor York. They go from BC back to Ontario, back out to, to, to Alberta, and then BC again. So it's it's a long trip for York. So maybe Vancouver will look to to capitalize on that and, and try to get another home win, their second straight. That should be a pretty special one as we celebrate this wonderful country with some more CPL games across the long weekend. We'll get into that schedule shortly to let you know all those matches. AGR, we always appreciate you. Keep up the great work as ever. You can read AGR at One Soccer and, of course, at campl.ca. Have a good week, pal. Thanks for this. Uh, let's take a look at the standings then through uh, officially 11 weeks in the Canadian Premier League. Not every team has played 11. Of course, some teams have played more. But Pacific with a five-point lead over Forge and two games in hand. Uh, Forge up to second place on 19 points from 13 and then it's really close um you can look at basically third down to eighth it's just separated by seven points third down to six is separated by four york are third on 17 uh cavalry are fourth on 15 but have two games in hand on both forge and york Valor are in the coveted fifth and final playoff spot with 15 points from 12, just behind a, a surging Halifax Wanderers. Atletico Ottawa still seventh, and Vancouver Football Club 10 points from 12 are in eighth. Let's take a look at next week's schedule then in week 12 as the Canadian Premier League celebrates Canada Day long weekend, and we have two games for you on Friday. A fantastic doubleheader at 7 o'clock local in Halifax as the Wanderers take on Forge on Friday night, followed by another great game on Friday, this one out west at 6.30 local um, on the island as Starlight Stadium hosts Pacific against Atletico Ottawa in a rematch of last season's semi-final. Valor uh, have the rights, I suppose, the privilege of hosting a game on Canada Day itself. 2 p.m. local in Winnipeg, they take on Cavalry. And then on Sunday, Vancouver Football Club hosts York United to finish it all off. And as usual, we'll be back next week to recap it all as well. A reminder, it is also Canadian Men's National Team Week. Canada are playing in the Gold Cup and they're playing in Canada. Game is on Tuesday night at BMO Field and they take on Guadeloupe as they kick off their Gold Cup journey as well. So tickets still available. You can check them out and go watch the Canadian Men's National Team on Canadian soil at BMO Field on Tuesday night. As usual, come to campiel.ca for all of our coverage around the Canadian men and women's national team. Until then, have a great week celebrating Canada. We thank you for joining us and we'll speak to you next week. Come on! Yeah. Forge and they're blocking very often into the Orange Accents. Now here's Gargantino! Less than 25 seconds!